Shots. Shots. Would anyone like a shot? Hey everybody, great to be back here on Liquid Gold, another edition of Shots, where we cover one topic, one drink, and maybe kind of pan out from there, give a recipe, and uh, we'll be doing that a lot this summer too as well. Last summer we did the Summer of Shots. It's a good time to just kind of cover something summery, a drink that you might want to make. So today, a very important drink that we have never really covered on the show outside of the Orjot episode, which you're going to need to go back to and listen if you're going to make your own Orjot for a gorgeous Mai Tai. One of the, I'd say, most important and most misunderstood drinks of the cocktail canon. And today, talking to uh, talking to us about the Mai Tai and her experience at Lost Lake and Three Dots and a Dash, she is the regional on-premise manager at Maison Ferran. Her name, Adrian Stoner of Chicago, Illinois. So we're going to be talking to her, definitely a Mai Tai master. So much so that she's not giving away any secrets. <laughs> well, maybe just a few. But I had a great talk with her, and we will have another follow-up episode with Adrian where we get into all the different rums that she represents with Maison Ferrand, and then talking about this cane advocacy educational stuff that uh, that Adrian is a part of with them and really just the beautiful rum terroir of Barbados arguably the birthplace of rum going back many hundreds of years Adrian's been a phenomenal bartender throughout her career and um, has moved on to representing these uh, these beautiful rums from plantation the three star the pineapple which you know took over the world took the world by storm and the OFTD, which you want to check out and can be a nice little secret ingredient in a lot of your cocktails. Had a ton of fun chatting with Adrian, so look forward to the next episode as well. And though Adrian lives in Chicago, she is involved with uh, Friends of Rum Tennessee. You can check their Instagram, Friends of Rum Tennessee. They are having a happy hour. Adrian's coming down for that. That is with Plantation Rum May 18th at Turn Club and then May 19th at Chopper with drink specials and special pours. And at those happy hours, people can come through and pick up kits for a virtual tasting that they're doing on May 24th on the internet. So they've been doing a lot of cool Zoom tastings as well through the last year, but uh, people are starting to get back out there now. And you can head to any of those events, May 18th and 19th. And these happy hours are from 6 to 8. They'll be pouring that rum all night, however. So um, the Mai Tai. This is a drink that was created in 1944. I'm going to go back here to the incredible Smuggler's Cove book that uh, dives into the origin story of the Mai Tai. What's amazing is this is a uh, this is a cocktail that began its life as a top shelf drink. So if you wanted to go back and make a version of what they were drinking when they were drinking those first Mai Tais, they were drinking 17 year old Ray and Nephew rum. So it began as kind of a lark, like, let me pick this up off the top shelf and make, make this cocktail with it. So the closest thing, if you want to make a, a really incredible original style Mai Tai, you might want to look at some of the older Jamaican rums from Appleton Estate. Plantation does have a Jamaican rum. You also might want to look at some of the older rums that Foursquare has. Um, these are bold, delicious I always call them a bourbon lover's rum. They have some of that same spice um, characteristics that, that it picks up from that toasted barrel. Um, but 
from Smuggler's Cove, Martin Kate and Rebecca Kate's amazing book on all things tropical, tiki, and rum. He notes, and I quote, the year was 1944. According to Trader Vic, he was at the service bar making drinks for two friends from Tahiti, Ham, and Carrie Guild. According to Vic, quote, I took down a bottle of 17-year-old rum. It was J. Ray and Nephew from Jamaica, surprisingly golden in color, medium-bodied, but with the rich, pungent flavor, particular to the Jamaican blends. That we would call, this is what, let me interject here, this is what we would call today the funky Jamaican rums. Uh, going back to this, he combined this magical rum with orange curacao, rock candy sugar syrup, orgeat, and the juice from one lime. When Carrie took a sip of Vic's concoction, she exclaimed, and I'm not going to botch this uh, Tahitian, but there's basically a Tahitian uh, saying that basically means out of this world, the best, that begins with Mai Tai Roye. I'm sure I botched that. But the Mai Tai part of that stuck, and a legendary cocktail was born. As the Mai Tai became popular at Trader Vic establishments, Ray and Nephew ran out of 17-year-old rum. Then they started using a 15-year rum. Then that ran out. And so you can see how, you can see the perils of creating some incredible top-shelf cocktail. You know, you might run out of rum after, uh, after half a decade or so. So you flash forward over the years, over the decades, and the Mai Tai becomes this like red colored drink that they're serving down in Florida for spring break where they're using uh, who knows what corn syrup, grenadines. Um, and it really, it turned away from being this simple margarita-esque drink, like a nutty rum margarita essentially, to a drink that had, you know, eight ingredients or, you know, artificial flavorings and um it just became something else so this is great that we can sit down with adrian go over the mai tai and another thing we get into is the trader vic versus don the beachcomber style so always great to talk to a tiki master over the next few months leading up to the book launch my book barantined recipes tips and stories to enjoy at home from mike wolf and friends um, the hard copy of the Lost Spring ebook that I did last year. Adrian's in the book, so it's great to have her along today for the ride. We'll be featuring folks from Barantined over the next, you know, two or three months here on Liquid Gold. And Adrian does this incredible frozen daiquiri in there that uh, you will want that recipe. She also um, breaks down some of her thoughts about quarantine and as, as many of the other bartenders in the book do. So this has been a ton of fun. This has been a great project to do um, over the last year and excited to get this out in the world. Now let's turn things over and talk tiki, tropical drinks, and the Mai Tai with Adrienne Stoner. It's a thrill to have on the show here. She was at one point one of my favorite bartenders <laughs> at one of my favorite bars, Lost Lake in Chicago. And now she is working for Maison Ferran, peddling out all this amazing rum. She's the regional on-premise manager for Maison Ferrant in Chicago and uh, is also helping develop some cane advocacy and education for the company as well and their operations down in Barbados. Miss Adrienne Stoner is on the program. So nice to have you. Thanks, Mike. It's nice to be here. 
Um, thanks for saying that I was one of your favorite bartenders. That's pretty, pretty tall praise considering how many great bars um, exist in the world, but also in Nashville and Chicago. So, Well, it was happy, cool. We were geeking day. out the night when you came into Husk. So it was like, I think she's yeah. Boss Lake. Man, Husk, yeah. that was, you know, <laughs> you say it's not a rum bar, but there was plenty of rum there when I was there, especially by comparison at, at the time. I mean, um, oh yeah, you know, you, you were was, like the I champion was... of rum for the city. Oh, awesome. I was, uh, I was doing what I could for sure. I was like, well, we've already filled up that entire top shelf with whiskey and that one. We need yeah. a little bit of rum over here on this shelf. And, uh, yeah. I was working yeah. for the, uh, I was working for spear bomb at the time and you guys had Clement on the, on the, oh, you know, on yeah. the menu. And I was so excited. Totally by surprise. Oh yeah. The H is silent. Mm-hmm. Was the name of the cocktail. I remember that. Um, that was cool. It was red wine rum lime blood orange carousel Mm -hmm. that might have been it but i remember it had a it was really cool how the rum agricole and pre-rot wine blended with like citrus and like a spring cocktail and and blood orange so yeah and then when i when i came to lost lake um later on that next year i think it was I was just amazing. You had like a banana, I think, thing going on yeah. in your hair and you had this amazing <laughs> jewelry on and like a parrot of some sort. And yeah, they, they kind of used me as the model for, um, you know, for any new hire, they'd be like, well, what's the, you know, what should we wear? What's the uniform? And it's like, Adrian, show them, you know, yeah. less is more doesn't exist here. More is more always like wear one more thing, wear one more accessory, like go big or go home. So yeah, I would wear many necklaces and, and lots of hair garnish. Yeah. What a, what a great uh, place for a bartender, like a creative bartender to work and to, to learn and and really get into rum. Obviously you guys had an incredible rum selection there. Absolutely. Is, uh, is, is Lost Lake where you started to realize, cause we're going to talk a little bit about the Mai Tai, which is a great drink for this time of year. But was it at Lost Lake where you kind of realized that um, all these different rums, because we're going to talk about the terroir of Barbados, but all these different rums are so different and show where they're coming from and can do so many different things in a cocktail, whether it's been aged 12 years uh, or it is fresh um, and has all those different uh, funky qualities. But is that really where you learned about the, the just amazing world of rum? I mean, it started with um, Three Dots and a Dash because I was working for Paul initially there. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, I got I got hired there first. And then, um, you know, Paul's program is just amazing. His education, his commitment to educating the team was so commendable. And, and I got to really just always shout out his praises, just being um, really what is the word? Like not withholding, right? Like I've, I've been bartending. Just open. Yeah. Like I bartended for 17 years and I remember when craft cocktail became a thing and I was trying to get jobs and, you know, you would ask your, your bar manager how to do something. And there was like this sense of withholding. There was always this, you know, like figure it out yourself, kid, like that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And I mean, I had to teach myself how to bartend because no one would teach me. And then finally um, working for Paul and having access to, access to him just as a mentor, but also uh, the privilege that came with that, which is, you know, getting VIP guests, having sit-ins with Ed Hamilton and Martin Kate, and, you know, really, really getting to meet the masters of the category, meeting brand ambassadors and rum producers and 
that was the beginning. So it started at three dots back in whatever year that was. I don't, I don't even remember. It was like mm-hmm. 2014, 2015. And then, yeah. And then at, at Lost Lake for sure, uh, just really kind of honing that in and seeing my work differently in supplier side, because I wanted to be able to educate and talk about rum and celebrate rum more than just the one in every 20 guests, but literally every day. So now I get to do what I would get to do, you know, a few times a night at at all hours of the day, like now, just in general. One thing that struck me about Lost Lakes drinks was just like the complexity and how it was like, wow, everything's really thought out. And obviously those drinks, tropical drinks, exotic drinks, they're great because they kind of change as you drink them. They're, they can be super intense up front and then they mellow out as you're kind of sitting there, which is a great vibe when you're drinking that kind of drink. What were some of your, your favorite, like just random combinations or flavor combinations that you, um, that you used at Lost Lake? Cause it really was like a flavor bomb place. Yeah. The, the, you know, I mean, we, it was all kind of a part of the methods that we were, that we were trained. Uh, so they're the, the two main schools of classic Tiki, the Trader Vic and Don the Beachcomber and really trying to like understand those styles um, so that we could apply them. But then also knowing Paul's balance methods and, and having that like trifecta to kind of, uh, see cocktails differently and look at builds differently. And, you know, to the point where like, I could look at a couple of blind builds. I could look at like four different blind builds of the same Tiki drink and know which one is Paul's <laughs> like, and yeah. which one is, you know, it's like, that's where um, that kind of automatic rote memory comes from. But the, I, I guess I just always err on the, the, the classics, the side of the side of the classics. I, I mm-hmm. loved Don the Beachcomber's drinks. I love the way that, he was really inventive and and mixing kind of those cooking spice baking spice methods with uh citrus and Mm -hmm. those are always my favorite drinks like the jet pilot is one of my favorites and Mm. um i just want i want like a spicy kind of overproof hot drink well you bring up an interesting point with uh you know kind of the basis of tiki drinks is uh either don the beachcomber who's sort of the uh the OG as it were, and then Trader Vic. So those are kind of those two schools. What would you say is, uh, is different about those two schools? Like, cause that's, that is kind of like you're learning, you learn a, a whole bunch of drinks that are like Trader Vic style. And then you learn a whole bunch of drinks that are Don the Beachcomber. I would say bartenders in general are going to be like, I want the Beachcomber vibes. Cause it's mm-hmm. going to have a little bit of absinthe and it's going to have a lot of flavor. But um, Trader Vic has had his own style and was using different spirits. But what, yeah, what could you tell us about the difference with differences between those two styles? I think there's a time and a place for both. Uh, Trader Vic styles tend to be round and and um, fruit forward, right? Like big, rich, bold fruit flavors, and and not necessarily saccharine, right? Perfectly balanced. Balance is always key, but. Uh, those are the differences to me that one is like a very approachable, you know, very kind of tropical vacationing cocktail and, um, Don's drinks are the true craft, right? Like the Mm -hmm. original, the original craft of like, these aren't, I think a lot of people who are interested or go to a 
a tiki bar, a tropical bar for the first time, they think that those are somehow native to Hawaii or, or Tahiti. Like these are mm -hmm. things that he kind of picked and, and chose from, um, you know, different cultures and, and created this thing. Like tiki is an invention. It's not, it's an American invention. It's not a right. part of true Hawaiian or, or um, Tahitian experience or Polynesian experience, but obviously, you know, there's also the cultural assimilation that came mm -hmm. not right at the beginning, but shortly thereafter, I think with the, the tiki face, tiki face mugs and, and all of that um, happened later. But I think the original like cocktail concept, um, which they didn't even call tiki at the time, it was just like yep. this thing that they were doing was rum rhapsodies. Yeah, from Rhapsody's. <laughs> and, it, you know, the fact that Don had to hide his style because Trader was, you know, like copying him. That Trader Vic was, like, trying to follow him and steal all of his recipes and see what he was up to. Maybe not even steal, but get inspired by, right? Like, right. I, don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't want to say that he was stealing. I think they had a pretty healthy um, tit for tat uh, yep. <laughs> against each other. But, um, yeah, they, they had a different way of marketing. And yeah, and Don Don seemed like the guy you want to hang out with, and like you're mm -hmm. like, I want to go to his party, and like Trader Vic be like, uh, I don't know if I want to hang out with him necessarily. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't uh, <laughs> he seemed like kind of a, a difficult guy. But I one thing that I think is so amazing and speaks to what you're saying is that Don the Beachcomber um, envisioned this whole world of exotic drinks in a bar that was low lit and was decorated a certain way. He did all this in Hollywood, which is mm -hmm. so like perfectly American that he took these artifacts from his travels. He took these ideas in his head and he took uh, really what he knew about creating delicious things to drink and using different spices. And he created a whole genre of drinking around that. But I just think it's so perfect. I don't think a lot of people realize that this is Hollywood. And right. uh, I just think that that's kind of amazing. It's like Hollywood in the thirties. It's so perfect. Yeah. And that Who's the craft itself is, is like the Hollywood of craft movement, right? Like what is born from that, from that movement? Because it was in a time where people couldn't travel. You, you didn't get to, you wouldn't even get to do a road trip, you know, let alone like go to a different country. Um, so the, all of the media at the time showing you these, these islands and these, um, like these fantasies, right? Because they're, it's Hollywood. It's a fantasy. It's yep. none of it was real. Not none of them were real depictions of these places either, but it was creating this like mysticism. And so it was a easy, easy catch for consumers, but it was also a complete invention. Just yeah. none of it based in fact, like having rums, rum blends. No one was making rum blends. No one was doing a split base cocktail for, you know, for anything mixed with absinthe and allspice. Mm -hmm. Like, that didn't exist before Don the Beachcomber. Yeah, he really created the modern cocktail. And, you know, we talk about Trader Vic and his different style, which evolved over time, became sort of elegant. You know, he would have drinks that would be, you know, like a brandy with lemon and orgeat and orange or something like that. And um, had some really nice kind of more elegant drinks, I think. But uh, amazing that he basically was struggling up in Oakland and then came down to uh, Don the Beachcombers and was just blown away and was like, wow, this is, this is what I need to be doing. But we have to give him credit. At least we think we do because he <laughs> created one of the most delicious beverages ever created, uh, the Mai Tai, 
which yeah. you guys were definitely known for at Lost Lake. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me how, if you wouldn't mind, tell me how you're making your Mai Tai either at home now or tell me how you were making it at, uh, at Lost Lake. Well, Paul's recipes are protected. Mm -hmm. So sure, I'm sure. not sure. I want to step on that. He might have, I mean, there might be a record of, of at least one of his versions of it. Um, but he, in true, like, uh, you know, kind of tiki secret fashion, there will be no record of how to make the syrups and the, you know, like he might give yeah. you a recipe. He's not going to tell you how he made his orgeat, right? Like, right, right. There's still going to be a secret element because if you want that. That's great. Drink, you got to go to the tropical place. Like, That's you know. amazing. So even when you were working there, you weren't quite sure what they were doing with the orgeat. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, okay. You knew. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. were in. Okay. Okay. Sworn to secrecy. Right. Um, right. Oh, I love this. Okay. Well, yeah. um, one, th let me, let me just tell you something I heard through the grapevine, not from it. Maybe, maybe not from anyone we know, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> that the secret to, well, quote unquote secret, I'm sure you're telling the guests this as you're making it, but, uh, to a Mai Tai at Lost Lake was shaking in um, the lime holes, shaking in the spent lime holes, which for those of you making these drinks at home, that's a great hack. If you actually have shaker tins and you can shake in some lime holes, that's going to make a huge difference to a margarita, to anything, a gimlet, anything you make, you're going to get all the oils from the, from the hole itself, as well as the juice that you've already juiced. But, uh, was that part of the secret or we, we did, um, that yeah. wasn't, that wasn't the original recipe. We'd undergone a couple of um, changes and yeah. And then the, the lime hole became a part of the, the build. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's yeah, exactly right. It, it complements, it brightens the citrus. It makes it really pop. Um, so I, I also recommend that with, with folks at home or daiquiris, like try the lime. Yeah. Hole. Yeah. It. Yeah. Use it, use it. It's like, don't let it just sit there on your counter. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's so much flavor in there. So basically, um, if, if I was going to break down one potential recipe for, for those of you at home making Mai Tais, you could do, if you wanted to do like a really simple blend, you could do, um, like one ounce of dark rum and one ounce of a Jamaican rum. If you can find something that's a little bit fun and then, um, say three quarter ounce to an ounce of fresh lime juice say about a half ounce or so of orgeat. I would just suggest you go back to the orgeat, rest, uh, orgeat episode of uh, Liquid Gold that we did a while back. And I'll post a link to that on our Instagram, liquidgold underscore pod. So orgeat, and then um, you want a little uh, curacao in there, a little orange liqueur. You guys have the dry curacao. Sure do. This would be a great ingredient to use. I know I've definitely used it as part of like a blend for a Mai Tai. So that's great. I want to talk about the dry curacao in a second. But, um, and then I would use, I loved sneaking in like a teaspoon of orange juice and like a teaspoon of Demerara. And it really broadened out the flavor. And am I forgetting anything? Maybe a dash of Ango? Um, that would be one recipe you could do. Shake all that up with the lime holes. Strain that. You can use the ice that you're shaking with would be great. It'll retain all that flavor. And uh, for a traditional garnish, throw that into an old fashioned glass and traditional garnish would be half of the lime hole upside down, looking like a, like a little Island and then a sprig of mint to signify the tree. That's the old school Trader Vic style garnish. 
So I'm sure I'm at least getting close to the Lost Lake. Uh, yeah, the well, the <laughs> the Lost Lake. You know, it's all about the rum, the rums, right? Right. Um, everyone has their rum blend preference, and I like to tell. Yes, people let's talk about that. that. They say that the the daiquiri is kind of the litmus test for unaged rum, mm. right? Like you want to try all your rums. Any, you know, if a rum can't be a good daiquiri, then is it a good rum? Right. Um, and for unaged rum, I think that's true. I think it's a good good test uh for aged rum though i mean i don't know like some aged rums don't work as well for daiquiris in my opinion and i i would rather encourage people to try a mai tai because i think it can make things pop obviously the classic mai tai rum no longer exists but having like an aged funkier jamaican is a great way to start i'm not Mm -hmm. I'm not such a purist that I would say it has to be only Jamaican or it has to be mm-hmm. this particular thing. Like I personally love using our rum, like the Jamaica, you know, it's a, a blend. It's a, you know, kind of a, what, well, it's 100% pot still, which makes mm-hmm. sense because in 1944, mm-hmm. that's all they had in Jamaica was pot still. So going there to start, but I'm not so much a purist that I would say don't try other rums. I mean, I, I like to add a little bit of, kind of super fruity rum i'll definitely do aged and then i'll Mm -hmm. sneak in maybe like unaged savannah you know if you have like Mm. a really really fruity taffy um taffy white rum or maybe even something funky like a claren or you know and kind of pop out the fruitiness um to highlight the lime and then doing an overproof because i'm a garbage human and i need strong drinks in my life (laughs) No, <laughs> you're just a professional. I just, yeah, I bartended for too long. <laughs> yeah. And that, but that's part of the, the bartender. Um, maybe I'd call it a bartender's Mai Tai where you mm-hmm. do a little floater of overproof, um, say a Ray and nephew, or you guys make an incredible, the OFTD, yeah. um, which we're going to talk about later what that stands <laughs> for, uh, and the story behind that. But, um, there's so much you can do with blending different rums. I think it when I was at Chopper, it was roughly like a kind of a Jamaican aged. It was like a blend of like an ounce of Jamaican, an ounce of an aged rum, and then maybe a half ounce of a rum agricole, um, which can be beautiful to throw into a Mai Tai. Um, can really mingle. It kind of blends the oil from the lime and the nuttiness of the orgeat and gives mm-hmm. this like grassy note to it, which is really cool. Um, so tons of stuff that you can do. Mai Tai would be a great drink to like use up some rums that you have around and yep. you can experiment and play yeah. around. I can see your rum collection is, that's... is pretty strong <laughs> there behind you. Yeah. That's only half of it. There's, there's another wall. That's the, that's the fancy stuff. And then there's more on the that's other like, side. That's like Lost Lake over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, the Mai Tai, always a classic. All right, I look forward to more of our chat with Adrian Stoner on our next episode where we get into cane processing, cane advocacy, and all these different rums that Adrian knows so much about that we talk. We get into some of the origin stories of Plantation Pineapple and OFTD, as well as talking about their dry curacao. So look forward to that next episode. Thanks to Adrian so much for talking Mai Tai. And enjoy your Mai Tai this weekend. And don't be afraid to use a really good rum and taking it, taking it back to the original style Mai Tai. Though we mentioned uh, plenty of rums on the show, I can say that if you're out looking for a rum for a Mai Tai, 
you have so many options, right? Some of the Eldorado rums, the Eldorado 8-year, great value there. That's a great rum to use for a Mai Tai. Any of the Jamaican stuff, the Appleton Estate, the Ray and Nephews, um, Hamilton. We've had Ed Hamilton on the show. It's going back, God, that what was that, two years ago? He makes some great affordable rums that would be awesome in a Mai Tai. His Hamilton Black would be great if you want to check that out. You can always float a little overproof into your Mai Tai. That's if you're a bartender or a professional. So be careful if you've never done that before, I will say. <laughs> the afternoon can get away from you quick. But uh, And then shaking in that lime hole, that can do a lot to your Mai Tai. Again, let me talk about this happy hour event coming uh, Friends of Rum Tennessee, you can check out their Instagram, Friends of Rum Tennessee. They are having a happy hour with Plantation Rum May 18th at Turn Club and May 19th at Chopper with drink specials and special pours. And folks can also come through to pick up their kits for a virtual tasting on May 24th. Those happy hours are from 6 to 8, but the rum is pouring all night. So check that out. Adrian will be in person, an in-person appearance for adrian stoner legendary tropical drinks bartender of lost lake and uh three dots as always lots more to come here on liquid gold we've got a chat with jeremiah blake coming up in a couple episodes where we talk about his career the daisy cocktail and absinthe so looking forward to that and find us on instagram at liquid gold underscore pod email us liquidgoldpod at gmail.com look for the book barantined recipes tips and stories to enjoy at home adrian's in the book there's a ton of recipes a lot of great cocktails for making better cocktails at home making creative cocktails at home without breaking the bank or using too many ingredients we'll be featuring folks from the book all this summer here on liquid gold my name's mike wolf for my co-host mr kenneth deadman we'll have some booze news from him next time shout out to producer michael eads Jess Matchin for the Liquid Gold logo. Everybody at We Own This Town, weownthistown.net, and Upright T Rex music for the tunes. Cheers, everybody. Enjoy your Mai Tais. <laughs>